Here you go. Here's the reading. I was waiting for that. Good morning. Today's reading is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 17 to 24. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live in the Gentiles do. In the fertility of their thinking, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learn. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put up your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And this is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, 17 to 24. Again. All right. Uh, good morning, church. It's uh, it's an excellent and beautiful and exciting time of growth that we have in the church at, um, at this time. Uh, we've just doubled the number of our elders from four to eight. And it's excellent because this this year we're focusing on discipleship. We're, just, we're focusing on growing. Uh, as individuals and as a congregation, and it's very timely. So thank you, God, for this amazing gift that you have given us uh, at this time. So um, as we focus on discipleship this year, we started uh, our uh, first sermon series uh, this year called uh, Discipleship 101. And in this particular sermon series, we're looking at and focusing on the, the foundations and fundamentals, basics of discipleship. So we started two weeks ago by uh, reminding ourselves of the calling that Jesus has called us to discipleship. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, um, Jesus himself calls us and says, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So uh, Jesus calls us first to be his disciples. And he expects us to grow as he makes us, turns us into fishers of people, right? So he, he wants to make us disciples who are mature that will make other disciples. And last week, Miles spoke to us about answering this call, that it is not, it is not a burden, but rather a blessing to answer this call of discipleship. And so today I would like to... Um, get uh, to to continue on with that sentiment that our life of discipleship is a life that will give us the best life in the in in in, in this uh, world today so this morning i would like to talk to you about the new life that we have in christ um we understand that discipleship involves being born again and this new birth 
this being born again entails and depicts this new life that we have in Christ. And um, this new life is something that we rejoice over. This new life is exciting because this new life uh, requires a complete spiritual uh, transformation so that God can turn us into the people that he wants us to become. Um, this new life is something that uh, I would like us to encourage about. Uh, this morning, I want us to set our minds or perhaps reset our minds into resolving to, uh, to live this new life uh, in Christ as disciples. So this morning, we're going to do that by talking about the what, the why, and the how of this new life that we have in Christ. So let's start with the what. What is this new life in Christ uh, as disciples? What is this all about? So um, in, um, in our scripture reading this morning, the Apostle Paul tells us about this new life. But then he starts this new life by saying that we need to uh, think about the old life first so we can fully really appreciate this new life and what it entails. Because we will not really know the new until we understand the old, right? There's got to be an old so that there could be a new thing, right? Um, before we get into that, I just wanted to um, say, I don't, I don't really watch a lot of TV, but when I do, I watch home improvement shows, you know? DIY channel, right? You know, those, those channels there. What I particularly like watching about these uh, home improvement channels is when realtors or designers, they go to a house or a room and you wouldn't even think it was a room to start with. It was like, you know, the house that is totally abandoned or dilapidated. You see the walls peel, the, the paint peeling from the walls. There's pretty much no floor. It's just a subfloor. There's even garbage in there, and although you can't smell from the TV, you can kind of under you can kind of like see the faces of the people that go into the rooms or to the houses. They they cover their noses, and it was like stinking in there. And but these people who go in, they're happy. They go, "Wow, look at this!" Because they can see the potential of the house or of the room. And then you see the before and the after. Totally different place. Beautiful place. Right. And they were able to get this thing next to nothing. It's like a steal of a deal. And then they're able to sell it for such a a good price, good, good profit. You know, when we think about our new life in Christ, when we talk about the old and then becoming the new creation in Christ, I think about this. Right. I think about this new transformation, this complete spiritual overhaul that God does in us. And this is what, like as I was saying earlier, with the scripture reading, this is what Paul says. So he starts by telling us the old stuff that we need to put away. He says, I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. 
um, the Apostle Paul tells us right off the bat that we must no longer live as the Gentiles do. Back then, the Jewish people distinguished between their nation and all the other nations. They were the Jewish people and everybody else were Gentiles. The nations who do not have God and who do not serve and, and, and worship the God that they serve. They're the Gentiles. We are, we're the Gentiles because we're not Jewish, right? But now that we're Christians, the Apostle Paul says in this text, we should not do what we used to do before we became Christians. We should not be Gentiles any longer. We should not be in the world anymore because we are now in the kingdom of Christ, right? So what does the world do? What do people who do not have God do? What did we used to do? Well, first, we thought in such a way that just it's not going to amount to anything. We had futile thinking. Our thinking was futile. It didn't mean that, it doesn't mean that the world today who don't, who don't have God, who are not Christians, it doesn't mean that they're not capable of doing anything great or they're not capable of being successful in this life. It's not that. It's just that their thinking is futile because it does, uh, regardless of what they think about, regardless of what they produce or create or achieve, it still does not merit anything that's spiritual. It still does not last. It will still not lead to anything eternal or godly. It's not going to, um, to, uh, to have an effect on their spiritual lives. It will not put anything and save anything for eternity. It's always, it's always going to be worldly and selfish and for, for this life. There, and, and that is because their understanding, their understanding is darkened. Their, their idea of morality is skewed. Their idea of right and wrong is not, is not, is not godly. It's not what we will see in scripture. And because of that, their lives are separate from God. They do not have fellowship with God. Although they believe in themselves, although they believe in loving themselves, although they believe in, in, um, in, um, um, improving themselves it's always about the person it's always it's always about themselves it's never directed to god it's never in the idea that i'm doing this for god or i'm doing this for my master it's for themselves it's separate from god and it's that way because of their ignorance they probably believe that there's a god they probably believe there's a right and wrong but it didn't matter they ignored many of the things that they ignored because they, they, they did what served them. They did what made them happy. They did what felt right. And the ignorance is there because of their hearts being hardened. And that hardened heart translated into having lost all sensitivity. It means that their hearts have been calloused. Right? They probably understand at first that what they were doing is wrong, but then it just became habit. And then what became habit, they realized, hey, there's not, I didn't die, so it must be okay. Having lost all sensitivity, having calloused hearts, right? That conscience being seared, they have given themselves to sensuality. This word sensuality is also translated as lewdness in other versions of the Bible. Uh, lewdness as to indulge in every kind of impurity. 
lewdness and impurity. This whole phrase here says that the people of the world, we, before we became Christians, we used to not think much of sin. We used, we used to go out and tell people that we're doing it. We had no shame. We lived, we lived large and we lived loud. Okay? Uh, it didn't matter if some people think it's sin. It didn't matter if God thought it was detestable. If his word said otherwise, I will do it anyway because it feels good. That is what has happened with our minds being clouded and our hearts being darkened and our consciences being seared. And finally, the old self, our old selves, were full of greed. It's always about me. It was always about what I wanted to do. It was always about what I loved and made me happy and made me happy. That was our old self. But then the Apostle Paul now brings us to this contrast of the new. Okay? And it's gonna be very poignant what we did before we became Christians. And so in Ephesians four, twenty to twenty four, the Apostle Paul continues, That, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. The Apostle Paul tells us in this particular passage, the old stuff, put that off. That is not who we are now. Instead, we need to put on our new self. And this new self is, has been created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Can you guys see the, the concept of discipleship in this? Can you guys see the concept of growing up in this to be like God every single day unto righteousness and holiness? See, even here we see the calling that we have as disciples. And it involves us having this new life by putting off the old and putting on the new. And I love this passage because it gives us an idea on how it's done. On how God intends for us uh, to have it and to do it. We do all that. We put off the, the old and put on the new by doing this. By having a new attitude of mind. By thinking differently, right? By uh, b- through our perception of things. Before we looked at things in a worldly sense, in a physical sense, but now we shall look at things in a spiritual sense. See, living this new life and grabbing this new life for ourselves sometimes becomes hard. Because thinking spiritually in the world is difficult. It's like, it's like this, right? In our new life, we have two, we have two, two sides. You can see the two sides in there in the picture. To, to the right over there, my right is death. Like you see the dryness there, right? That's the old self. And to the left, my left here is the life. Green, blue skies, right? That's the new life that we have in Christ. Right off the bat, you can see the visual. 
the new life that we have in Christ is way better. It's not a burden. It is a blessing. The Apostle Paul, well, God through the Apostle Paul is telling us, leave this old life of futile thinking, darkened understanding, ignorance, hardened heart, lost sensitivity, callousness, you know, um, sensuality or lewdness, impurity and greed. And cross over to the new life. Now let me just take this opportunity. If you have not crossed over to the new life and you're thinking about it now, you're, you're here because you know in your heart that this old life or your life now is not working. This is the opportunity for you to really think about this. I encourage you today to move over to that new life. The new life in Christ. The new life in Christ that makes you a new creature, a new creation. This new life that uh, that uh, allows you to be created to be like God. To be like God in righteousness in, and in holiness. Because you have been taught the truth through Jesus. And you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, who is our Lord and Savior. And we do that by changing how we think, by changing our hearts. But remember what we talked about two weeks ago when we said, you know, how do we, how do we answer that call? Okay? This new life that God brings to us, He also calls us to His kingdom. But He says in John 3 verse 5, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter this new life. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. And we ask the question, what is that water and spirit? Well, the apostle Peter, in his, in his sermon in Acts chapter 2, tells us exactly what that was, what that is. As he preached to the Jewish people, he tells them about the gospel. He tells them about this new life. And they ask the question, how do we get that? What shall we do? And this is the answer that Peter had in mind. He said in Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized. Water. Every one of you in the name of Christ, Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Water and Spirit. I invite you today, before we continue to move on in our lesson, to do that. To put your faith and hope and trust in Jesus so that you can live the best life that you can live here on earth. So what is this new life? It's our perspective. God has given us a new perspective so that we can look at his lens. We can look at life spiritually. Not worldly. None, none of the old, but now in with the new. So why would we do this? Why would we want to live the new life? Well, I don't know if that's enough for you to say, okay, I'll, I'll do that. If it's not enough, but why? Why would we do this? Why would we choose this? We understand that salvation is free. We, we all understand that. Salvation is free. But discipleship, we see in so many passages in scripture that Jesus himself said is not. Discipleship costs us our life. It does. 
So you're probably thinking, well, why would we do this? Okay, well, the answer lies in the reason why we choose to do whatever, why we choose to do anything, why we choose to choose anything in our lives today. Okay, say for example, these two shirts. Okay, if you guys are shopping for a shirt, look at these two shirts right here. Okay, which one would you choose? They look the same. Okay, they're both navy blue t-shirts, crew neck, plain t-shirts. You're probably asking, well, it depends. Where are they from? Okay, because where they're from is going to dictate probably the, the number one thing that you're thinking about right now. How much is it? Right, how much is it? Well, one is from Walmart and the other one is from Polo Ralph Lauren. Okay, $6 and $40. Which one would you choose? I'm not saying choose the $6 or I'm not saying choose the $40. I'm saying that the reason why we would choose or make our choice is, is what we value. Okay, what we value. What we perceive as valuable to us. Some people will choose the $40. Some people will choose the $6. I would personally choose the $6 because it's just a t-shirt. Right? That's just my thinking. But others will differ from that. So the answer to the question, why would we choose the new life? Will depend on what we value in life. Do I need it? Do I see it as worthy of my time and my life? That's the question. That's the question. Um, in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, let's go back to, uh, to Solomon here. King Solomon wrote this. This is the end of Ecclesiastes, the book that he wrote. Before I read it, I just want to tell you something about Solomon. Solomon was king, anointed king of Israel. And he had everything. And what he sought out to do as he wrote this book is he wanted to know his, what, what, what will make him happy. His purpose in life. His whole duty. Like what is the meaning of this life? So he, 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 he acquired everything to understand. This is a scientific way of understanding what is it that makes people tick? What is it that will fulfill me in this life? He tried everything. Fame fortune, power, prestige, money, possessions, even women. Um, he had skills, he had talent, even artistry. He got into all of it. And this was his conclusion at the end of the day. He said the conclusion when everything has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments. Because this applies to every person. It doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, Filipino or Canadian, Chinese or Jamaican. It doesn't matter. Every person has been created to serve and worship God. But the thing is, if we, because of sin, this has been skewed in our minds and our hearts. Our hearts have been darkened. Remember what we were seeing before? Hearts are darkened. Minds thinking futilely and in vain. And what we do is we, there's this hole in our heart that's left. Right? You've heard that term before, the God-shaped hole that we fill with things. We want to fill that. 
Because we think that we will be fulfilled in this life if we filled that. And we don't know what shape it was in, so we just throw all sorts of, of things in that hole. And we're coming up empty every single time. The, the things that we throw in their career, right? We think that our achievement, our recognition, the things that we're good at, if we just put all of our lives in there, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna meet that hole. We're gonna plug that hole that's left by God. Some say, well, you know what? It's money. If I collect more and more money, if I see my bank account growing and my investments gro- growing, then it will be, it will be satisfied. I will be fulfilled in this life. Some people think it's possessions. If I collect this, if I collect that, if I have like edition one of this thing up to the newest edition, then I will be fulfilled. I will be happy. Some say it's relationships. If, if I surround myself with the people that I love, then that will be enough. Some say it's hobbies, entertainment, or the things that I'm good at, the things that I really like to do. Some say it's fitness. If I have my six-pack, I'll be good. If I lost X number of pounds this year, I will be the best person that I can be in this life, and I can die the next day. Or some people say, well, sports. Or some people say, if you go to school, grades. But we find quickly, and I can raise my hand, like hand on heart, these do not fulfill. Because as, as, as soon as you say, well, you know what, for example, grades, I just want to pass. Then you pass, oh, I want to do 80%. If you do want to do 80%, I want 90%. If you get 90%, I want to do 100 It doesn't end. If you say, well, you know what, as, as long as I make $60,000 a year, I'd be content. And then all of a sudden you make $60,000. And then all of a sudden you're not content anymore. Next year you want to do $70,000. And you want to do six figures. It's the same thing with all of them. They don't fulfill. They don't fulfill. Matthew 16, 24 to 26 gives us, Jesus himself tells us why we need to choose him over this world. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. We've seen this before. Literally, we need to die before, you know, to follow Jesus and become his disciple. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever, whoever loses their life for me will find it. I love this. If I want to keep my life for myself, I'm going to lose it. If, if I do things for me, there will not be any satisfaction. But if I do things for him, I will find my life. And he continues, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? I love this question because it tells us that our soul is more important than anything else in this world. One soul is more important than anything that this world can give. So what do we do in this life that jeopardizes our soul, that devalues our soul? What do we do in this life that keeps us from going into the new life 
and staying in the old life. What does? You know, I love this because it is a question of priority. How do we prioritize anything in our lives? I love what Miles told us last week. You know, he said, you know, God and then, and then family and then work and then maybe hobby or talent or whatever. Right? You know, priority, right? One, two, three, four. But God has to be number one. But I love um, what we learned in our YCAF group, the Young Couples and Families group that meets every Wednesday on Zoom. Previously, we were doing uh, we were doing a study, a, a relationship study, and we were using a supplement to our, our to, to the Bible. It's called um, um, "You and Me Forever" by Francis Chan, and in that particular book, he gives he gives a really striking. Um, um, a picture of priority. You know, he says, number one is God, number two is family, number three is work, number four, num-, you know, we have that in order. And he wrote it down on a piece of paper, right? But then he says, it's not fair to God. And I was thinking, what? God is number one, family is number two, work is number three, and so on. It's not fair to God. And then on the next page, he said, this is what's fair to God. God is number one. And then you know where the number two is? It's not even on the page. Number two is way down here. Not a close second, but all the way down there. Because when we do that, when we do that, when our priority is Him, we're going to be able to do this. Colossians 3.17 Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. The things that I showed you earlier, the hobbies, the work, the career, those are not good or bad in and of themselves. It's what we do with them that makes it good or bad. But with Jesus as our priority, we can we can give those up to him and we can do them in the name of Jesus Christ and then the fulfillment of this life starts but let me illustrate it in a different way okay before i get there i don't want you to be distracted because it's a cool picture i think <laughs> all right so you guys know that I was in the military before. In, in 2013, I was sent on a mission. Uh, it was a, a disaster relief operation mission to the Philippines because they had a really big typhoon there and it destroyed so many lives and so many things. So part of the part of my job there is to assess the area and to see where the most immediate need was. And in one of my patrols, I took this picture. I I I I. I I was devastated when I saw this. Okay. I don't know if you guys can see it in, in your screens, but this is a flood. Most of the, where the water is, you can just, you can see the, the, the river snaking in the middle of the screen there, right? In the middle of the picture. And then the water, where the water is now, there's, it's just farmland. 
but you can still see some of the farmland that's not covered with water, right? So essentially, the farmers, who's, that's the number one industry in this particular area of the Philippines, they lost their crop. And this was the third time they've lost their crop to, crop to flood since the typhoon hit a couple of weeks back before this. The farmers were suffering. And because the farmers were suffering, the economy was suffering. And because the economy is suffering and the nature of agriculture, people are not having food. So I talked to some of the farmers and they gave me their dilemma. Their dilemma was that what are we going to do with the seeds, with the rice that we have left? Are we going to keep it and use it as food for ourselves? It's going to last us a few months. Or are we going to plant it and risk losing it in, a, in another flood? Do you guys see their dilemma? Am I going to use it for myself? Or am I going to plant it so that it benefits the community? Do you guys see that? Discipleship is the same thing. Living a new life for Christ is the same thing. See, we have all these things. And we ask ourselves, am I going to do this for me? Or am I going to do this for Christ? When we do things for Christ, right, we don't just do it saying, Lord, I'm doing this. It's benefiting me, but I'm doing this in your name. Like, it's not just saying, when we say in your name, it means for him, for his glory and honor. And when we do things for God's glory and honor, we usually have other people in mind. And when we do that, we are planting these kingdom seeds for the benefit of the people around us. There are so many kingdom seeds that we can plant from our relationships with our friends, with our career. We can show the light of Christ in our career. We can show the light of Christ in the way that we handle money. When we share our possessions with people, we plant kingdom seeds. All of these are kingdom seeds that we plant. When we plant them, we say, you know what? I don't want to keep it for me. I want to plant it so that God is glorified. And when God is glorified, people benefit. People see. People are led to the power and beauty and glory of Christ. That is what we want to do. That is the beauty of the new life that we have in Christ. That is the most fulfilling life that we can ever live in this world. So what is the why of the new life? It is priority. It is priority. Because we understand the value and the worth of this new life. Because we need it. We know that other things won't fulfill us. But this. This is what fills us. I love what uh, what uh, Vince uh, mentioned to us in John chapter 6 in his table talk. He is the bread of life. Whoever comes to him will never be hungry. 
and whoever believes in him will never be thirsty. That is why he is our number one priority. Knowing that everything else will be taken care of when we do that. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Priority. And all the things that we need will be added to us. Matthew 6.33 Finally, how? How are we going to frame this in our minds so that we will resolve to do it? How are we going to do it? For this, I thought about another P, right? So we've had, uh, was that perspective, priority, and for the how, I think we need to, to, uh, to think about this in our minds so that we can, we can be, we, we can really be convinced that this is the way for us to go and not leave this path of a new life in Christ is this idea of purpose. This is who we are. This is our purpose. Um, I, I got some quotes. I have three here, right? This is the first one. Of people who wrote about purpose. Of people, wise, smart people who understood the importance of purpose in, in one's life. I don't think these individuals were Christians. Or maybe some of them are, but I'm not sure. But regardless, they understood purpose. Okay? But... Beginning with Robert Bryan, he's uh, an American author who said, or who wrote, the purpose of life is a life of purpose. Like you can kind of see, even if you're not a Christian, this could be true for you, right? But the thing is, the difference between living in the old life and the new life is that now you're doing something for God. Everything is for God. Your purpose is glorifying God, not yourself, right? But the purpose of life is a life of purpose. It's been put in our hearts to do that, to be fulfilled in that. Fyodor Dostoevsky, a Russian author in the 1800s, wrote, The mystery of human existence lies not in just staying alive. It's not just living, waking up in the morning and doing the stuff that you do day in, day out, but in finding something to live for. Okay, But we need to be careful what we fill that need with. Okay? And finally, I love this quote from Viktor Frankl. He was a prisoner in, in, in a Nazi concentration camp. And he wrote this. He said this is the reason why he survived. Those who have a why to live can bear with almost any how. Why do we do the things that we do? What is our purpose? Okay. Jesus gives us what he has purposed for us to have. He said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. He wants us to live the best life that we can on this world. And so he came and died for it. And I want to conclude with the verse that we started with, with that, that Billy read for us today. We're talking about purpose. The Apostle Paul put it, our purpose, this way in our text. Ephesians 4, 24 to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God into righteousness and holiness. Brothers and sisters, our new life is about God giving us a new perspective, a new priority, 
and a new purpose. Our, our, our uh, closing song this morning um, gives us a really good idea on how we can do this in our life today. Our song uh, this morning, the closing song this morning is called Higher Ground. And when we come across the lyrics, there's this, there's this lyric, uh, there's, there's uh, the line that's repeated over and over again in the song. It's this, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. When we come across this today, as we sing this song, I want us to really think about it and pray this as we sing to God. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Because this is what this new life is all about. Good morning.